Listen, I have enjoyed this series. We've been talking in this series about called The Gift. And, um, and everything that's been involved with that, I've enjoyed studying it. Uh, if you were here, we've been talking and, and based out of Matthew chapter 2. And let's just go ahead and go there. Matthew chapter 2. And remember, we've been looking at the, the, the wise men. And who were these wise men? Well, they were astrologers that come from the east. They were learned men. They were priests. Um, they, they were wealthy. Uh, and, and as you look at this, and they saw a star rising at Jesus' birth, and they recognized it from the prophecies that was given in the old scriptures. And so they began to head toward Jerusalem. So Matthew chapter two, verse one, I'm reading now the Passion Translation says this. It says, and Jesus was born in Bethlehem near Jerusalem during the reign of King Herod. And after Jesus' birth, a group of spiritual priests, <laughs> I love how they put that. A group of spiritual priests from the east came to Jerusalem and inquired of the people, where is the child who was born king of the Jewish people? We observed his star rising in the sky and we've come to bow before him and worship. King Herod was shaken to the court and he, when he heard this, and not only him, but all of Jerusalem was disturbed when they heard the news. Now that tells us right there, there was more than three little guys on camels that showed up. You don't shake a whole city and make a whole city nervous with just three guys showing up, you know? So actually Jerusalem probably thought they were being invaded now. So when these guys came to visit Mary and Joseph and, and, the, and, the, and the baby Jesus, they showed up not with just three guys and a camel, they showed up with a caravan. And I want you to understand that when they gave these gifts to, to, to the baby, they weren't just given these little tiny boxes that are nativity scenes. They came with camel loads full. You say, well, why is that important? Well, because we're always told how poor Jesus is. How poor Jesus was. You know, he's just the lowly son of a carpenter. You study that out. Uh, Joseph was probably, it, it, it comes out that he was probably more like a supervisor and a high man in the community. Well, <laughs> we've we, we telling you, we've, we, we've tried to teach this thing completely backward, but let's go. And King Herod was shaken to the court, not only him, but all Jerusalem. And so he called a meeting of the Jewish, verse four, he called a meeting of the Jewish ruling priests and the religious scholars demanding that they tell him where the promised Messiah was prophesied to be born. He will be born in Bethlehem in the, in the land of Judah because the prophecy states, and you little Bethlehem are not insignificant among the clans of Judah, for out of you will emerge a shepherd king out from my, uh, of my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the spiritual priest from the east to ascertain the exact time the star first appeared. And when he, and they told him, and he told them, now go to Bethlehem and carefully look there for the child. And when you found him, report to me so I can go and bow down to worship him too. Now they had seen the star, but they had seen the star when Jesus was born. 
and they started walking in the direction of where they had seen that star. But they, they were off by a little bit because they showed up in Jerusalem rather than Bethlehem. Bethlehem's miles from Jerusalem. Verse eight, nine, nine, yeah. And so they left on their way to Bethlehem. Suddenly the same star they had seen in the east reappeared. Amazed as they watched it, amazed they watched as it went ahead of them and stopped directly over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. Man, imagine if the church would just act that way now. When we understand that the morning star has risen and he's already been shed abroad in our own hearts, in our own lives. So they were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. And when they came into the house, they saw the young baby or the young child with Mary, his mother, and they were overcome. Falling to the ground at his feet, they worshiped him. Oh, what a sight that must have been. Then they opened their treasure boxes full of gifts and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So over the last few weeks, that's what we've been looking at, these gifts. Why these particular gifts? What was the significance of these gifts? Well, they brought him frankincense because if frankincense was too expensive for the ordinary person to have. Frankincense was only uh, enough it was only used at the time in sacramental worship. And it was used in a, in a time where they would come into the priest, they would come into the temple and it was used as an incense for worship. And so they gave frankincense because they understood that Jesus was our priest. Then they brought him myrrh. And, and like I said last week, so many times we're, we're taught that myrrh was used in embalming, but myrrh was used in embalming. And it's like, oh, it's a prophetic thing of his gift. But I think they understood more than it was a prophetic thing of his death. I believe they understood what myrrh really was for. And if you was here last week, we looked at all the things that myrrh is used for and is being studied out today, the healing properties of myrrh. Matter of fact, the priests would mix myrrh and frankincense together to cleanse the air of the temple, to kill airborne bacteria. Hmm. Just let that settle in. And so I believe they brought him myrrh because they recognized him. Not only was he our priest, but he's our healer. Amen. And the healer of our bodies. And so we just speak that over everybody that's dealing with sickness now. Receive your healer. And then finally, they brought him gold. Isn't it funny how we think it's these little treasure boxes? Little poor baby Jesus got this little gold medallion. Folks, these were people who showed up with treasure trove full. <gasps> and they presented Joseph and Mary with a caravan of stuff to be used. And so we wonder sometimes, well, why these gifts? And so they brought him myrrh, and I believe they understood some scriptures that sometimes I think we forget. I believe they understood some things about him because they knew he was the king 
of the Jewish people. They even told Herod the king that they came to see the king. Can you imagine Herod's thoughts when he said, what are you talking about? I'm the king. No, you're not the king we came to see. See, we saw his star rising in the east and we came here. All this stuff that you see that you thought you were being invaded with, we've brought all this to him. You see, it, was, it wasn't until after they left, they were warned in a dream not to go back and tell Herod where he was. Because he said, just tell me where that baby is. Just tell me where that little king is so that I can go worship him too. Well, the, in a dream, if you continue on, it, God spoke to these men in a dream and said, don't go back to Herod. So they left town another way. They didn't go back to Jerusalem at all. They bypassed Jerusalem. And Herod then became so infuriated that he ordered the death of every child, male child from two years old and under because he, he did the time. From about the time they saw his star to now, he would have to be around two years old. So Herod said, we're going to kill every baby from two and under. See, that didn't happen until after they brought enough stuff, Mary and Joseph was able to then leave and go into Egypt in hiding. <laughs> See, we, we read some scriptures and I think we get, them, we get them mixed up. Well, Jesus was just this old poor guy. He wasn't poor. These wise men made sure of it. They brought him gold because they said they came and worshiped the king. Bobby, can we go back and read verse 11 again? I want to read verse 11 again. He said, and when they came into the house and they saw the young child there with his mother, with Mary, his mother, they were overcome, falling to the ground. So you only, they, you, back then, you, you only fell down to people like that when they were royalty. When you came before the presence of the king, you would bow. These wise men understood something, that the child they stood in front of was not only our priest, was not only our healer, but he was also our king. See, gold is the gold you bring for a king. Gold, you don't just give gold to any old child. You don't give gold to any old baby. What if they lost it? When Sydney was little, she decided the, the floor vents in our house was an ATM. And so she decided one day just a few, few hundred dollars would fit right down the, the, the vent. See, you, sometimes you don't give precious stuff, but when you're in the presence of a king, nothing is too valuable. When you're in the presence of the king, no gift is too extravagant. When you're in the presence of a king, no thing that you could bring him could ever compare to the glory of that king. And so what happened here is when they walked into the house and they saw the baby, they were so overcome by the presence of the king that stood before them that they fell at the ground at his feet. What a sight that would be. That here stands a two-year-old, and I know our, our brains say three kings because, or three wise men because there's only three gifts mentioned. We don't know how many wise men. It never says how many they were. There could have been 15 of these guys that come in the house. Could you imagine that sight as a two-year-old stands there and all these men are laid out face down in front of a king? They 
don't see a baby, they see a king. You see, there's a lot of study that says that these guys were leftover priests who still studied from the book of Daniel, the books that Daniel brought when the children of Israel went into captivity. That when they were taken into captivity, that, there, that Daniel had set up a school and had continued to teach the old scriptures. They understood the prophecy of the Messiah. This is why they came. I believe they understood scriptures better than we do. And today I'm just gonna fire you out some scriptures about our king. Isaiah chapter nine. This is a common one we hear a lot. I'm reading out of the voice, Isaiah chapter nine, verse two. It says, the people who had been living in darkness have seen a great light. The light of life has shined on those who dwelt in the shadowy darkness of death. And you, God, will make it happen. You bolstered the nation, making it great again. You have saturated it with joy. See, this is what the kingdom of heaven is supposed to look like. Everyone in it is full of delight in your presence, like the joy they experience in the, at the harvest, like the thrill of dividing up the spoils of war. See, these men understood that they had come before the king who had prophesied that this would happen. It was under his reign that the nations would be bolstered. It's under his reign that people would be filled with joy. It's under his reign. See, the reign of our king is not a reign of terror. It's not a reign of depression. It's not a reign of sadness, but it is a reign that is filled with joy so that at his feet, there is joy evermore in his presence. They understood this king. For as you did back in the day of when Midian oppressed us, you will shatter the yoke that burdens them. You will lift the load that weighs them down. They understood that this king was a liberating king. That he was going to set the people free from the bondages that had held them for years. And we think so natural. That's what the disciples did. That's what everybody else did. They thought he was going to come to set them free from Rome. He came to set us free from the greatest chain that ever held mankind. He came to alleviate the chain of sin off of people's lives forever, once and for all, to break the chain completely off. See, they understood that he had come to set them free. Verse five, it's true. All the fabric of war will go up in flames. The troops, the heavy boots, that stomped us down by their blood-soaked guard will all be burned beyond recognition or use. There will be a new time and a fresh start. Oh, hope of all hope. Dream of all dreams. A child is born. King James says, for unto us, a child is born. I love how the voice puts it here. A child is born, sweet breath. The son, a son is given to us a living gift. And even now with tiny features and dewy hair, he is great. This is what those wise men understood that night in that house as they fell on their feet in front of a toddler. They understood 
that even in his tiny features and dewy hair, he is great. The power of leadership and the weight of authority will rest on his shoulders. His name, his name. We will know him by many ways. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Dear Father everlasting, ever present, never failing, master of wholeness and prince of peace. And when they saw that child, they fell at the wonderful counselor's feet. When they saw that child, they fell at the everlasting father's feet. When they saw that child, they fell at the master of wholeness's feet. And when they saw that child, they fell at the prince of peace's feet. His leadership will bring such prosperity as you have never seen before. Sustainable peace at all times. Folks, this is the king that we still serve. This is the one that they understood who Isaiah was prophesying about. We've forgotten who this prophecy was. We think it's just a get out of hell free card. (laughs) Says the leadership will bring such prosperity as you have never seen. Sustainable peace for all time. This child, God's promise to David, a throne forever among us to restore sound leadership that cannot be perverted or shaken. He will ensure justice without fail. An absolute equity, always. The intense passion of the eternal, commander of heavenly armies, will carry this to completion. And I can see however many men filed into that house that night, these words ringing through their ears. And we look down that baby, that child, that toddler, probably around Lily's age, and they fell before him, and throughout their ears they heard wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, master of my wholeness, ever present, never failing, prince of peace. I believe they understood scriptures we've forgotten. Go to Daniel chapter, no, go to Jeremiah. Let's go to Jeremiah first. Jeremiah chapter 23. So I I wanted to go back and say, okay, what would they have studied? to understand, to bring him gold. Jeremiah chapter 23, watch. The days are coming when I will raise up a righteous branch of David, an heir of his royal line who will rule justly, act wisely, and make things right again in the land. This is what they were all looking for Jesus to do. They kept asking him, is now the time you're gonna overthrow? He said, I started leading you from the moment I came into the planet. From the moment that child came screaming into the planet, he was set up as the crown prince of the universe. 
Verse six, during his reign, Judah will be redeemed. Israel will be a safe place again. The name he is called will tell the story. The eternal is our righteousness. I wonder which one of those men that day, as their face was buried into the floor, was thinking, this is the eternal. This is my righteousness. I wonder if Daniel's chapter seven went through their mind. In Daniel chapter seven, verse 13, he said, I saw another spectacle in the night visions. In Daniel chapter seven, I'm in verse 13. They say, we're just gonna fire him today. Daniel chapter seven, verse 13, he said, I saw another spectacle in the night visions. I looked and saw someone like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was ushered into his presence. Now, this is what I believe the wise men knew, is verse 14. To him is given authority, honor, and a kingdom so that all people of every heritage, nationality, and language might serve him. His dominion will last forever. His throne will never pass away. His kingdom will never be destroyed. And so the wise men, they bring gifts of gold to a king. They understood Isaiah. They understood Jeremiah. They understood Daniel. And when they fell prostate, when they fell before a child, and they opened the door and they opened these boxes and they said, here is gold for the eternal kingdom, for the eternal reign, for the dominion that lasts forever. I believe they understood Psalm 72. They understood Psalm 72, verse seven. Psalm 72, verse seven. Folks, let me tell you, there is so much prophetic in the Old Testament about the kingship of Jesus, I had to quit. <laughs> Psalm 72, verse 7, he said, And in the days of his reign, the righteous will spring forth with abundance of peace and prosperity, how long? Forevermore. In the days of his, we are living in the days of his reign now. We're living in the days of his reign. We're not trying to get to the days of the kingdom. We're in the kingdom now. The kingdom is in us now. And so in the days of his reign, we'll reign in abundance of peace and prosperity. Well, why am I not enjoying it? Go get it, it's yours. <laughs> May he subdue and take dominion from sea to sea. May he rule from the river to the rim. Desert nomads are bowing at his feet. Every enemy falling face down, biting the dust. Now verse 10, I wonder if one of them looked around and said, hey, I remember this verse. I remember what the, what the, what the writer said in Psalms, where they said, distant kings will Distant kings will surrender and come with their gifts. 
from every continent and every coastland. They will offer their tribute to you. Can you imagine being one of those guys laying on the floor looking around? All you see is these little toes. And then looking around and you hear David's voice echo in your spirit. Distant kings will surrender and come with their gifts. Can you imagine being the one who realized that verse and said, it's us. It's us. <laughs> Listen to verse 11. O king of kings, they will all bow before you. O king of kings, every nation will one day serve you. Well, that's a promise. He will care for the needy and the neglected when they cry to him for help. They humble, the humble and the helpless will know his kindness. For with a father's compassion, he will save their souls. They will be rescued from tyranny and torture. This is the king, folks. This is the child king that the wise men worshiped. He'll rescue them from tyranny and from torture. For their life blood is precious in his eyes. Long live this king. Long live this. As they laid with their faces on the ground in front of a child, they were saying, long live. Can you imagine the one who, look, the distant kings have come. They've laid their stuff before and they brought him gifts. Long live this king. May the wealth of the world be laid before him. May there be ceaseless praise and prayer to him. May all the blessing be brought to him. May all the blessing, man, can you imagine? See, we have this idea that it's this big solemn night. Oh, holy night. The stars were brightly shining. Oh, no. Just about two years later, there was a rumble coming through the streets of Jerusalem that got everybody's attention. And then coming into the town of Beth, Bethlehem was a little town. Can you imagine what that sound sounded like in Bethlehem as these men with their caravans came into town to worship a child? Can you imagine the look on their face when Mary and Joseph opened that door and in their front yard strolled out was all these great big giant boxes of gifts for a two-year-old that in one night she had had a dream you are blessed among among ladies for I will put a child in you and he will be born of the father and Joseph said I can't have this he said no what you what this is carrying is going to be the savior of the world and they understood when they laid before him and his little toes dug into this ground and they raised up and they looked into his eyes And one of them says, long live this king. May the wealth of the world 
be laid before him. May there be ceaseless praise and prayer to him. And may all blessings be brought to him. So what does all this have to do with us today? Revelation chapter one. See, because of the king, see, you may not have gold, but here's what the king did for us. Revelation chapter one, verse five. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, the ruling king who rules over the kings of the earth. Who rules over the kings of the earth. Now to the one who constantly loves us. Woo and has loosed us from our sins by his own blood and to the one who has made us to rule. See, when the king came, he broke you free from all the chains of your sin. By his own blood, he destroyed sin and broke mankind free from the bondages and the tyranny of sin. And he set us up in the kingdom of his dear son. And Revelation says, now to him who has made us to rule. Because of the king, he has made us a kingly priesthood. See, when it says in above, the verse above that, that he is the king of kings, it's not that he's the king of presidents. It's not that he's the king of countries. See, he has set you up to be kings. He has set us up to be priests, kingly priests. When he says that he's the king of kings, he's talking about he's the king of kings. Of kings. Of queens. He has set us up to be just like him. He has set us up to be, he made us to rule. You were created to rule. You were created to be ran over top of. You were created to let life just destroy us. We were created to rule as kingly priests as a kingly priesthood to serve God and Father. To him be glory and dominion throughout eternities, amen. See, they worshiped a king and this king imputed to all men by his own blood the kingship that he carries. See, when you're part of the royal family, You gotta understand, you can't get out of the royal family. You can say, I don't wanna do my duties anymore. And they'll let you quit doing duties, but guess what, you're still carrying the benefits of a kingdom behind you. See, we don't understand this because we've tried to westernize everything where we don't have kings and all this stuff anymore. But folks, you gotta realize you are part of the greatest kingdom that has ever been established or ever will be established. You are part of a kingdom that the word says cannot be shaken. You have been made kings. And this is why it's important for us to understand we worship a king. And Christmas is all about a king. Go to Hebrews chapter four. And if I hope you're getting this. 
Oh, there's so much in it. Hebrews chapter four, verse 14. So then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. What do we know to be true? That Jesus has set us free from tyranny, from tyranny, from torture, from our own sin. We know this to be true. So we just hold on to that, that I am free from sin. I am free from sin. Anything other than that is a lie. Uh, For we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with our frailty. How does he sympathize with my frailty? Because he came down from that throne and took on clothes that look like skin and bones just like you and I, and now he understands the struggle that goes through our little bodies. I like verse 15. He understands humanity. This is our king. He's not sitting up there so y'all just need to act right. Just get it together. Anybody ever told you, anybody ever told you something like that and you're like, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I, you don't know what I'm facing. Let me tell you something. Your king knows what you're facing and he knows what he's called you to be. He understands humanity because the king became human. Mm. For as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way, just as we are and conquered sin. He didn't conquer sin for himself. Our conquering king did not conquer sin for himself. He conquered it for you. He conquered it for me. He conquered sin so that sin cannot have any hold on our lives other than what we just want to give in to. (laughs) You don't have to sin. Well, everybody sins. You don't have to. If sin's been conquered, You're just playing with a pet now. Okay. (laughs) He said he was tempted in, listen, he was tempted in every way you're tempted. Imagine that. See, it's so easy for me to look at Larry and Larry's got this weird temptation. I don't know what Larry's temptation are. I'm just using Larry. But Larry's got this weird temptation. It's so easy for me to sit over here who I'm not interested in that thing. And so I said, Larry, just get your act together, man. It's so easy to sit over here and be judged and and to judge, I should say, because I'm, but at the same time, Larry may look at the very things that I'm tempted with and go, I don't understand that at all. I'm not tempted in that, no way, no shape. But here's the thing, our father understands, he sympathizes with our frailty, he understands humanity, he knows what Larry deals with, he knows what I deal with, why? Because he dealt with it himself and he conquered it for both of us. He conquered your temptation for you. He conquered mine for me. And he did it for the individual, every individual that ever walked the planet. He conquered sin for them. Verse 16. So now we come freely and boldly where love 
is enthroned. King James Version says, now we come boldly before the throne of grace. And we receive mercy. I love the way, I think I'm reading the voice, the passion. So now we come boldly, freely and boldly to where love is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our times of weakness. See, he conquered sin so that when I'm over here dealing with my temptation or Larry's over there dealing with his temptation, me and Larry can hold each other's hand and we both walk right into the throne room because that's where we belong. Just because you're dealing with your temptation, I'm dealing with mine. He doesn't close the throne room off and say, oh no, you can't come in here. He says, come on in here, dealing with your mess, dealing with all the stuff you want to, come on in here and receive mercy's kiss. Understand the grace that I have for you, that I have conquered sin for you, if you would just lay this thing down. Woo, glory. This is why they brought gold to a king. Receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us. I don't need it if I'm not weak. How many of you know sometimes we all go through that weakness? I haven't reached my fullness yet, so I guess I'm completely, and I'm always going to need mercy's kiss. And I'm going to constantly have to remind myself of the grace of the Father. Psalms 144. This is why we have been given, this is why they gave gold to a king. Because they understood that that king was setting up a whole lineage of kings and royalty in his family. Psalms 144 verse 11. And I think this might be our last one, it is. Deliver me and save me from these dark powers who speak nothing but lies. See, when the enemy comes to you and tells you you're nothing, when the enemy comes to you and tells you you're insignificant, when the enemy comes and tries to put all that shame on you, that's lies. David says, deliver me from those who speak lies. Their words are pure deceit and you can't trust anything they say. Deliver us, then our homes will be happy. Our sons will grow up strong, sturdy men, and our daughters graceful beauty, royally fashioned as for a palace. Our barns will be filled, this is why we have a king. Our barns will be filled to the brim, overflowing with the fruits of our harvest. Our fields will be full of, see God wants you full, filled with everything. Your king has established, he broke sin for you so that you can walk in his prosperity. Mm. Our fields will be full of sheep and cattle, too many to count. Our livestock will not miscarry their young. Our enemies will not invade our lands. They will be no, there will be no breach in our walls. What bliss we experience when these blessings fall. The people who love and serve our God will be happy indeed. This is why they brought gold to a king. 
And by honoring that king, he fulfilled his duty. He conquered sin for you and I so that we could walk in the bliss of his presence. The drunkenness of his glory. The fruit of the vine that comes straight from life itself living at the feet of a king. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Father, I thank you for what the wise men knew. I thank you for what you're letting us know. I thank you for what you're reminding us. And Lord, I know today as we get ready to move into this Christmas week, we're going to celebrate all kinds of things. We're going to enjoy our friends. We're going to enjoy our family. We're going to enjoy the presents that we get. We're going to enjoy all the great things that come. But Father, I thank you that the greatest gift was not something we can give to you. The greatest gift is what you are to us. You are our priest that stands before God ever on our behalf. You are our healer who never changes his mind about healing his children. And you are our king who have set us up into a kingdom that is like no other. I thank you today, Lord, that you remind me every day of the year, not just at Christmas, that that child that they worshiped was a priest, was our priest, was our healer, was our king. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.